is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 464, recorded Thursday, November 21st, 2019. Yes, sir. We are back to the Thursday schedule, which I much prefer. So that is exciting for me and maybe for you, but probably for nobody else. Uh, it's okay. I, you know what? For me, it's okay. <laughs> All right. Just as long as it's acceptable to you. Yeah. This fine day of Thurs. Cool. Well, I am happy to be here. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. We're here to talk about all of your feedback, your thoughts and your comments and your questions about episode seven of season 10 of The Walking Dead. But I have a couple of things I want to do off the top uh, sure. before we actually get into the meat of this feedback sandwich. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about the lettuce. The first one is the ratings. This episode had 3.31 million, which is up 100,000 from last week. Holy shit. <laughs> exactly. It's, <sighs> uh, it's a step in the right direction. 3.31 mm -hmm. million. So that's good news. Uh, we're still, you know, pretty low overall, but we'll see what happens next week when it's the mid-season finale. That's bound to get a few more eyeballs on screens. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hoping for 13, 14 million. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable expectation. Um, expectation, I think. 13? Well, I wouldn't say expectation. I would say <laughs> hopes. All right. It's a reasonable right? I don't. Ha I don't have expectations. I have hopes and dreams. Very good. Well, hopefully they come true for you. Uh, and you never know. Maybe they will. That's a good answer for uh, if some if if you're dating someone, you're dating someone's daughter, and they come to you and say, what are your expectations? Uh, the correct answer is, sir, I don't have any expectations. I only have hopes. Okay. <laughs> Next time I'm dating someone's daughter, I'll uh, keep that in mind. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Good thinking. So another thing I want to get off out of the way here, get off first, get out of the way, is that a lot of people wrote in to let you know the name of the Don Knotts movie you were looking for last week. Yeah. And I don't, did we mention that on the air or was it after? No, no, no. What? It was on the air. Okay, good. Because I, I really didn't look it up and I had a hard time because it occurred to me a couple of times. And uh, I am a card-carrying member of the internet, so I have it available to me at any time. And I was pretty close to looking it up, but I didn't look it up, so hit me. The name of the movie is The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Ah, yes. <laughs> From 1964. It's not a Disney movie, 60... though. It's not? No. Okay. It's First not... of all, 64, holy shit. And second of all, you're telling me that's not a Disney movie? It's not. I forget the studio now, but that's why it's not on Disney+. Plus. It's not a Disney movie, so you'll have to look somewhere else for it. I'm afraid I'm still disappointed in Disney+, Plus for not having it. Oh, well, I know it's not their fault, but I don't care. I'm still disappointed in them. You just I mean, it happens all the time, right? Where it's not your fault, but it's still your fault. Sure. I mean, you just need to redirect your disappointment, maybe, but I get it. I'm not going to. Okay, fair enough. Well, The Incredible Mr. Limpet, check that, look that up if you want. It is on iTunes, so you can go get it there. Oh, is it? Oh, you, I can pay for it then. You can pay separately. for it. You can rent it, do whatever you want. If it's on YouTube. They have a lot of full-length movies on YouTube these days. They do. That's true. All right, and then one more thing here. We have a call from Anwen uh, with a pronunciation guide and some more information for us. Hey, Chris and Jason, it's Anwen here. Just thought I'd chime in on the whole pig cooked in the ground thing. Here in New Zealand, we call it a hangi. 
so the accent over the vowels makes the sound longer and the ng in Māori is pronounced just like the ng that we would say in singer so hāngi and it's delicious oh my god you guys have to come over to New Zealand and try some the meat is so tender it just melts in your mouth and all of the food has this beautiful smoky earthy flavour especially potatoes and sweet potatoes or kumara that we call it here in New Zealand Anyway, there you go. Come over to New Zealand and I will hook you up with a nice hangi. See ya. Okay, I'll be right there. Yeah, when are when are we booking our tickets? I'm I'm going right now. Right now. We'll Jesus. pause the podcast and we'll get we'll finish it when we get back. Finish it when we get back. I would love to go to New Zealand. Oh yeah. my god. I traveling around the world or traveling anywhere is one of my favorite things to do, especially for pleasure. And New Zealand looks like such a cool place. I want to go there. I actually know a couple of people from high school that moved to New Zealand. Well, so I'm sure they would uh, appreciate a visit. Between them and Anwen, we we got we know we have lots of friends there then, obviously. I think so. And we could do tours of the, the various uh places to go. Like <laughs> the uh Lord of the Rings stuff. There you go. We can tour the Shire, right? Yeah, we can go to the Shire. That'd be great. I want to do that. That would be awesome. So uh, someday we're going to make it happen. Uh, we're going to take this show on the road to New Zealand, pretty much the farthest away place on the planet from where we are right now. It's a long way. It's basically opposite corner of the planet. Yeah, it's very yeah. far. And, you know, the Earth is getting smaller every day with speed of air travel and such, but that's still a long, long goddamn way. Oh, it's, it's, I can't even, I don't sort of like thinking about the time you spend on a plane to get there. But I mean, once you're there, I'm sure it's enormously worth it. I mean, I've been to Singapore and that was uh, 27 hours of travel. Uh, the long flight from Vancouver to Seoul, Korea was 17 hours in the air. Oh, like that's a long, long <laughs> flight. Yes. Especially when you just can't sleep or anything. Oh my God. Oh, I, I never had that problem. I was just like, okay, time to sleep. <laughs> Oh, you're a lucky guy then. Well, anyways, thank you, Anwen, for the information about cooking pigs in the ground. It does sound delicious, and mm. I want to try it someday. So, I'm underground gonna... pig. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to New Zealand <laughs> just for the the, the uh, pig cooking. I'm still not going to try to pronounce it. I know. I'm scared to do it myself. <laughs> but anyways, it was good to know that people are out there that who can. All right, let's jump into our listener feedback because we got lots. We got a great feedback show. Coming up today, I think, and we're going to get started. Listener feedback. And we are going to get started with a call from Steve in unbelievably cold, wet, dark, windy, and frankly, depressing London. <laughs> That's unfortunate, Steve, but what can you do? Jiminy Jillikas, did you see what Deontay did? Oh my God, I did not see that coming. Sadiq is dead. I'm hurt. I'm sad, I'm gutted, and I'm a little bit happy, I'm not going to lie. I can't believe it. This season has been amazing. Ah, oh, guys, come on. Amazing. Angela Kang, round of applause, standing ovation. You deserve it, girl. Get it. <laughs> Jiminy Jillikers, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, Steve, for that. It was just sort of some general reaction to the episode. I liked it, though, and I agree. Angela Kang has been killing it, and if I ever meet her, I just want to give her a hug and thank her for such a good couple of seasons so far. 
Yeah. And that, uh, Steve, that call stressed me out a little bit. Just the thought, because it sounded like he was in the car. It and did. I assumed he was driving in the car. So just the thought of him talking on the phone, uh, driving a car on the left-hand side of the road, just makes me tense. <laughs> because people can't possibly drive on the left and talk on the phone at the same no, time. I'm sure Steve's fine, but it makes me tense because I, I can't imagine having to deal with that situation while talking on the phone. I would be very stressful for me. Yeah. I don't like talking on the phone when I'm driving on the right-hand side of the road. Yeah, I hear you. You're not even allowed to use your phone in the car. No, here. well, I use my Bluetooth, but I, I still don't like talking on the phone because it is, I don't care what you say, it's still distracting. Uh, it Totally. It is. You you get lost in the conversation, right? And then you just drive off the road. You got to be careful of those things. Yeah. Like, where am I now? Oh, shit. Did I pass it already? <laughs> and then it's like, okay, who's driving? I don't know. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't talk on the phone while you're driving people. It's dangerous. Yeah. Don't. Uh, okay. Next, we have an email from Spender in Scotland. Just wanted to say that this episode felt so old school original vibe, and it's about time too. Every story thread is building pace in superbly crafted storylines. The only way it could uh, be better is is if they put a Rick in it. Even Sadiq, up till now, I've zoned out or checked my phone when his storyline has come up and it, and it felt, uh, and felt it was the weakest part of the season, but it is by a country mile had, uh, and it has by a country mile had the best payoff so far. Right up till his last breath, I thought I would make amends. Uh, for, I thought he would make amends for his guilt at not being able to help the, the fight while watching his friends being killed. However, I had a feeling. Un, I have a feeling Undead Sadiq will have the final laugh at his tormenting whisper babysitting invader. Uh, P.S. I can recommend a cool camp feel good camp feel good and bad Scottish Xmas zombie musical that kicks little monsters ass. Anna and the Apocalypse. Right. So I wanted to just include Spender's PS there real quick because I've seen Anna and the Apocalypse and I enjoyed it. It is a British zombie musical, which I don't know, Jason, might not be your cup of tea, but... Sounds familiar to me. It was it was pretty good. I enjoyed it, um, but I've never heard of Little Monsters, so I looked that up and apparently it's another zombie-related musical. So if you can have one of something, why not have two? I might check that out. Yeah, and then one out of three. Somebody should make a new one. Sure, of course. That's the thing. That's the thing that people do. Uh, But anyways, uh, yeah, thank you, Spender, for that. The season has been great so far, Sadiq. I can't say I've really ever found his storyline kind of slow or boring, but it did pay off pretty well, and it was a big episode there at the end. So it's too bad to see him go, but, you know, we got some good character and story out of it. Well, that happens when you have an episode where somebody's the hero and then they get the hero's death, uh, that you get that, uh, you get that nostalgic feeling. Oh, that was pretty good. That's right. You know, that was, that was actually okay, <laughs> but I think it was genuinely all right. And, uh, I'm sad that he's gone, but happy that we got good episodes out of it. If he's gone, in fact. Yeah. If he's gone. Well, I'm pretty sure he's gone. Me too. Okay, Jason on the internet wrote, I'm listening now, and I just want to remind Chris that Sadiq stood up in front of the entire town of Alexandria and told the story of what he went through in the barn. Everyone knows what happened to him. Jason is right. Father Gabe didn't need to know the extent of his PTSD to know that he needed to send Sadiq out of there. So, of course, of course, I'm a big moron. 
and, and the Jasons stick together, and we're right. Jasons stick together. You're always right, you know. And I wouldn't say always, just mostly. Sadiq did, in fact, stand up in front of the whole town and talk to them about what happened to him. And you know what? I pulled the clip, and I'm going to play it. It's long, but I'm going to play it in its entirety. So, AMC, please don't sue us. Uh, but I think That's everyone, fair use. We're commenting on it. Absolutely. I think everyone can use a reminder of what Sadiq said to all those people. So get ready for this, people. Here we go. I was there. I was taken with the others. And I saw... I was supposed to die with them. I was ready to. And then Alpha whispered in my ear, tell them. Something hit me and everything went black. When I woke up, I was alone. What happened was evil. It was evil. And I think she left me alive to tell you that story. To scare you and to drive us all apart again. But I want to tell you a different story. See, before the end, Ozzy, Alec, and DJ found us. They gave us an opening, and everyone fought back. They fought like hell. And what they did was more than brave. Because they defended each other. And they sacrificed for each other. And some of them, they didn't even know each other, but they still fought like they did like they were family till the very end and uh and in the end they their time was cut short. And ours keeps going. So we have to keep going. For them and for all of us, we need to honor them. We need to honor them and we need to remember these friends, our family, died as heroes. That's a story that I want to tell you. That's the story that I want us all to remember. Oh. 
Oh, Avinash. I'm going to miss him even more now. (laughs) That was very good. (laughs) Wasn't it? I think after listening to that again, I've listened to it three or four times while I was, you know, cutting it out of the episode and stuff. And I think it might be one of my favorite monologues the show's done in 10 years. It's a good one. It's a really, really good one. And it made me sad that he's dead now. So that's it. He got up in front of everybody and told them that story. I know he didn't explicitly say they made me watch while they cut off their heads, but I think you can assume that that's in there as well. So yeah, there you go. Um, And that's how everybody knows that Sadiq was suffering greatly. Because everybody just knew. He told them. (laughs) Right, he told them. Yeah, it's very simple, really. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next we have an email from Matt in Lindenwald. I want to point out how awesome Sadiq is is as a character and how great Avinash is as an actor. And then they killed him. What the fuck? (laughs) This was probably the most surprising death for me in years, maybe since Carl, though there was slight speculation that he had been bitten. Probably the most surprising since Denise, and that was four seasons ago. Dante was weird, but I didn't expect this. I actually sat there in shock for a few minutes. Well done, Walking Dead, even though I'm sad now. Yeah, well done indeed. Um, I like the comment about sitting there in shock after the episode is done for a few minutes because that's, I mean, that's the kind of thing that's happened to me once in a while. Uh, Other people have told me that occasionally a TV episode will end on such a huge unexpected thing that they just sit there staring at a black screen for a while after it goes off kind of thing. There's, there was a particular season ender on Dexter that did that to a lot of people, which I guess I won't get into because it'd be a huge spoiler for Dexter, but uh, Dexter knew what it was doing occasionally in some of those seasons with, with moments like this. Uh, yeah. I don't know which season you're talking about, but we can talk about that off the air. Yeah. I don't want to. Maybe I should go back and watch Dexter again. I think I'm ready. I don't know. I liked a lot of Dexter and I didn't like some of it. So I wouldn't want to watch the whole thing again, but, and I don't want to get into what it was or any of the details because you never know. It's, there's some of Dexter that's definitely worth watching. So don't want to spoil it for anyone. Yeah. Season two was awesome. No, didn't like season two. (laughs) You didn't like season two. (laughs) I know. We need to do a. Extra podcast. We need to talk about this. Oh God. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways. Um, yeah. So big shocking moment and it really got to a lot of people and now we're sad. (laughs) Yeah. I had that feeling with an episode of 24 when they killed off, uh, the character or, uh, yeah, they killed off a character who was acted by the guy who acted or who did, uh, Gregory in the walking dead. That guy, he, when he was on 24, his death on 24 was one of those moments for me. Really? Wow. It was just, holy shit, I can't believe they did that. Yeah, those are the best moments on TV, man, when you just you just don't see it coming, and it's huge, you know? And and uh, yeah. there's, there's not enough of them. Or maybe there's just enough of them, I don't know. But big deal still. Yeah, I mean, too much is never enough, and always leave them wanting more. Right. If you would like a con, uh, contradictory statement. <laughs> but they're both true. <laughs> <laughs> they are, that's the thing. Funny. Uh, alrighty, Mike, uh, well, Mike, who is a miserable LA Kings fan in LA, he wrote that. <laughs> the Kings are not so great these days. Uh, so too at bad. hockey at hockey. Yeah. Is it? Okay. <laughs> That's right. Just checking. Mike writes upon rewatching the episode, I noticed the spider web flashback occurring three times. One, when Sadiq leaves Dante while initially treating the new whisperer prisoner. Two, when Sadiq leaves Dante while he is burying Cheryl and then jumps in the water. And three, 
when Sadiq realizes Dante was in the barn. I believe the web was meant to symbolize the web of lies Dante must have spun to get so close to our group. I'm a little sad about how the show is using Dante's character, because I liked his character in the comic. Dante genuinely seemed upset about having to kill Sadiq, and maybe this will help his character to defect. I have spoken. <laughs> well, so th that's a reference to the Mandalorian. If you're not watching the Mandalorian, then you may not get that. But I thought it was funny. It is funny. I did watch the first episode of the Mandalorian, but I still have to get caught up in the second. Oh, number three comes out tomorrow. You better watch number two. I know. I'm. 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 I'm torn. I. I can't decide whether or not I just want to walk away and then binge watch later, or continue on a week by week basis. Hmm. It's a good question. I don't know. I liked episode two of, of it more than episode one, actually. So I, I can recommend it. All right. Well, maybe I'll do a double header tomorrow night. Yeah, maybe. But this is not a Mandalorian podcast. What do you think about the web simply symbolizing the web of lies that Dante must have spun to get so close to our group? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And uh, when laid out like this, it's a little too on the nose. I think so. A little too <laughs> on the nose. But you know what? That's fine. Sometimes things just need to be obvious, right? Uh, yeah, obvious is good. I think so. I think so. It, you don't yeah. always have to go hunting for obscure meaning. Sometimes just tell us what you mean, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. Don't spin a story. Just, uh, just tell me what you're thinking. No beating around the bush. Just lay it all out in front of us, TV. Yeah. Before we move on, I just wanted to say that uh, I wish there was a Mandalorian podcast that uh, I could listen to on a regular basis to, to keep up with the show. Well, listen, I was going to plug that at the end, but since you brought it up, <laughs> uh, go over to podcastica.com and hook up with their house podcastica show, a Mandalorian podcast that I am a part of. So if you want to hear me talk about the Mandalorian, you can check that out there. Uh, so far, it's going really great and i have fun doing it so it comes i have out, uh, uh hold on it comes out sundays generally and new episodes of the show come out on friday okay i have subscribed oh but i haven't i haven't listened yet oh, okay well <laughs> you you, you kind of know what i sound like on a podcast i so. do but there's uh yeah anyway so i'm i'm a little we can talk about it later but i'm, I'm a little torn okay I'll, I'll tell you why later sure all right next we have an email from kaylee in vancouver canada uh, Kaylee wrote in that she figured out Dante was not who he said he was long before it was revealed. So we're going to focus on a couple of points uh, that gave it away to her. So point number one, uh, there were a couple of a couple of instances where Sadiq would be with Dante and be having flashes of the barn. There were a few times when it would zoom into Dante's eyes and keep focused there for a moment. And sometimes the sound would focus on Dante's voice and people found it weird that it uh, that it zoomed into Dante's lips the first time we saw him. I think this is because Sadiq was subconsciously recognizing Dante from the barn. And point number two, the reason, uh, sorry, the season also opens up with this new doctor helping Sadiq without explanation of how he got there. Why would Alexandria make him a doctor in charge of the lives of its people without knowing he was a field medic? Right. So that's kind of a good point, I think. Look, he's... He just showed up on the show. He appeared out of nowhere this season. He's a doctor. Uh, I know a little bit of time had gone by, but still, then he tells this story to Sadiq about being a field medic. I think Sadiq would have already known that if he was like a new doctor in the community. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, that, that does make sense. I didn't think of that. And then point number one, 
also, in retrospect, it all seems so obvious. But when we were watching it, you know, it just didn't all fit together right. Everyone thought, did think it was super weird that they focused right in on Dante's mouth. Remember that first scene where we met him? Yep, I do. Like, I thought it was weird and creepy and a little bit off-putting. But they were obviously trying to tell us the last time, you know, Sadiq saw this guy, only his mouth was exposed. Maybe his eyes were exposed. And we got close-up tight shots of Dante's eyes, too. So... Yep. As much as I would like them to, you know, lay it all out in front of me and make things obvious, I'm still not going to figure it out. Yeah. And that it's nice that they would do this so you can go back and uh, in hindsight, it all makes sense. But at the time when you're first seeing it, uh, it's just slightly off-putting and you're kind of confused, but then you move on. And the, uh, the example I can think of is uh, from uh, The Matrix. And this is, uh, I'm going to spoil a bit of the Matrix here, folks, but that was from April of 1999. Okay. In case you're wondering. All right. I saw it on, I saw it on April 3rd, 1999, opening weekend, by the way. Wow. Anyway, uh, the first time we meet Agent Smith, uh, before Neo is brought out of the, out of the Matrix and he still thinks that he's, you know, a human living in uh, New York. Is New York, right? I think so. Anyway, the first time we meet Agent Smith, he says, uh, it, it seemed very weird and awkward to me when I first saw it. I'm like, what's going on there? Because he says, we've had our eye on you for some time now. It's just like, it's, it's, a, it's a line, but it was delivered kind of off. Very weird, It didn't weird, make yeah. any sense to me. Uh, and then later on, we find out he's not human. And that makes perfect sense that uh, it's, you know, it, he looks like a human. He says things that are human but not quite in a human way. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was one of the genius moments of, uh, of the matrix for me. Well, the matrix is a pretty genius movie. Actually. I, I went back and rewatched most of it. Um, I don't know. In, in, inside the last year, I think it was made available on some streaming service or something. So I fired it yeah. up and cause I hadn't seen it in a long time. And, uh, it's a, it's a fun movie. I like that movie a lot. The first one. Yeah. The first one, I didn't dislike the other two as much as most of the rest of the world, but well, it was the it was the rubber fights in the, in the second one and the architect in the third one that really bothered me. Right, like I've watched YouTube videos on analysis of what the architect actually says, and it makes no sense. No, nobody can actually figure it out, right? Yeah, that's that's not a good well, thing. Well, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the second thing I wanted to say is on the second point uh, that. Um, Dante was let in to be a doctor without anybody knowing that he had actual credentials because he had to tell the story later. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of a band I was in called Four Really Nice Guys, where there was actually <laughs> 11 of us, including like a five-piece horn section. Uh, the policy we had for band members uh, went something like this. You guys are cool. Can I be in your band? Yes, you can. Do you play an instrument? You know, it was... We had already let the people in before finding out if they could actually play anything. Okay. Well. And and that was that was our, our member policy. You just had to ask. Okay. Well, so Dante walked up to the gate and said, do you guys need a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> come on in. Sure. Here's a stethoscope. Here's your stethoscope and your needle and your hemlock and uh, away you go. <laughs> away you go. Good luck. <laughs> I guess that's. Save some lives. Yeah. I guess that's how it went down, but. <laughs> anyways in all seriousness i think two really good points 
And um, it was all there in front of us, Jason. We just couldn't put it together, except for Kaylee in Vancouver, Canada, who who did and is smarter yeah. than me. Uh, yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, I like it when they do this, when uh, all the pieces are there, but uh, the, the, the twist uh, is an actual twist, even though you've had a lot of the pieces already. Right. And it, and, and it, kind. it reveals it for you. Like it makes it all fall into place, which is really cool. Well done, show. Well done. Okay. Pamela in New York, New York wrote, is there any chance that the interaction between Sid and Dante at the end was a hallucination? Probably unlikely, but he has been having episodes. So first of all, she called him Sid, which I don't know why we've never done that before. I would, I would have like, I, I would have called him Deke. <laughs> yeah. So Deke and Dante. Oh, now that, <laughs> now that's those that rolls off the tongue nicely. <laughs> that's a buddy cop movie right there. Totally. I but hallucination. I don't think so. Well, Sid and Dante is like Sid and Nancy, though, right? So that's pretty good too. That is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Sid and Dante. It all works together. It's too bad one of them is dead now. It's unfortunate. Unless it's a hallucination. <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh... I think it's it would be really interesting and would make me very angry. It is one of those things that I could see a show doing, but I don't want them to do it. No, they can they that's yeah, that's the kind of thing where you wake up and it's all a dream and it just right, which is never good, right? It's never well, sometimes it's good. It was good in New Heart. Sorry to spoil the end of New Heart. Uh that was a good show too. Uh, they also did that somewhere else. Was it, uh, I think it was the first run of Roseanne. I think they did that too. No, it was, uh, it was Dallas, wasn't it? Dallas did a whole dream season. Yeah. Okay. Didn't, well, didn't... Roseanne, the last season, uh, where Roseanne wins the lottery and they get out of the, their house and it's all great and things really start coming together. Uh, and then she, uh, sorry to spoil the last season of the first run of Roseanne, man, but, uh, yeah, she uh, uh, she was just she was writing a story or something. I forget exactly what was going on, but it was all a lie because Dan was dead. Boy, in the last few minutes, we've spoiled like two TV shows and a movie. And our next email here has vague spoilers for Fight Club. So yeah, so spoiler for Fight Club. Why don't I just go ahead and read that because it's related to the last one too? For sure. Fair warning, though. Vague spoilers for Fight Club. Um, so if that's a problem, skip ahead. When did Fight come? Fight club come out that was also 99 wasn't it i don't know it was a while ago 2000 yeah i forget when fight club came out that was a good movie too it was mike from illinois uh spoils fight club by saying is there any chance that dante could be the brad pitt to sadiq's edward norton in fight club thinking back i can't remember any conversations that sadiq had with anyone else about dante the jail cell scene uh, in this one makes makes it seem as if Sadiq was talking to Dante in front of Daryl and Gabe, but I think he could have been having that conversation in his mind. Or, and probably the better answer is, is Dante real and killed Sadiq? No, or, and probably the better answer, Dante is real and killed Sadiq. I think that's what he's trying to say. I don't yeah. think he's posing it as a question. Anyways, um, yeah, so... <laughs> Alter ego? Interesting theory. Alter ego, maybe. Well, we have been talking about missing time and how that so, uh, how that can be a symptom of disassociative disorder, an alternate personality yeah. type of thing. Yeah. So this is valid. 
I think Mike might have a point. Oh my God. Bringing, now that you mentioned that, and like, remember he goes to sleep and like wakes up on top of the, the windmill and stuff. With the baby. This, Maybe Dante doesn't like the baby. I mean, this kind of feels sort of plausible now. They Damn. get a, they, if this is true, they've got some splaining to do and they got to go back in the next episode and explain all of this. Well, but I mean, doesn't it kind of explain itself? Like it's his oh. alter ego. He's another doctor. He's this really goofy dude. And whatever happened, you know, the, the death scene at the end of this episode, maybe that was representative of Sadiq killing the other personality and getting rid of them. I, I realize that in real life, I'm sure these things don't just work like that, but this is a TV show and they can do whatever they want. So yeah, since we've already spoiled fight club, fight club had the moment where the realization came and they had voiceover uh, mm-hmm. describing exactly what the situation was, what the situation is and uh, how messed up it all was. Yep. So we need that moment. We have not had that moment. If this is, if this is the actual case, they got to go back and they got to explain it to us. They got to give us that moment of realization because we haven't had it yet. All right. Well, maybe they will. Maybe they will. So. And my mind I mean, will Fight be Club blown. Was based, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fight Club was based on the unreliable narrator. Right. right. So here the narrator is Sadiq and he's unreliable. If Dante's not real. Yeah, like I said, it would be interesting and kind of awesome and make me angry all rolled into one uh, frustrating package. It's so funny because all of these ideas are kind of intriguing and in a way you can see any of them being real. But deep down, you're like, I just want it to be the straightforward. He's dead. Dante's a whisperer and a traitor and yeah, move on. It, it, it's a goddamn zombie show. We don't need this shit. <laughs> we don't need backstabbing and oh yeah we, yes we do <laughs> no we need backstabbing and stuff but do we need uh you know unreliable narrator stories where you wake up from a dream and it's it's none of it's true and part of it's true but we don't know which parts are true and which parts aren't true and what does the spider web mean but the spider web means something that dante's not telling the truth but is dante real and if dante's not real is the spider web real <laughs> <laughs> yeah really <laughs> too many questions damn it um, i just really want to know if that spider web's real yeah, well, I think the spider web is real. It's just, what does it mean, man? Yeah. What does it what mean? What does it mean? All right, well, our next email is from Ashton in H-Town. And Ashton writes, I don't think Dante visited Sadiq with the intent to choke him to death. Why wouldn't he have brought a weapon? Maybe I'm wrong, but why say such kind, encouraging, friendly things before you murder someone? Just to be a jerk? Or was it an assassination attempt because he wanted to prevent Sadiq from saving lives with the clean water. Well, that's how the mob works, right? The mob doesn't, they don't come into your house and start blasting away to kill you. They come as your friend. Mm-hmm. Right? So they, yeah, they, they come, hey, how's it going, buddy? Let's go. I, I, uh, I want to show you something. It's going to be great. Take a look there's at these lo- flowers over here. <laughs> there's lots of money and, uh, and stuff involved. Let's go, let's go see all the money and, and stuff and it'll be fun. We're going to go in this boat. and just you know we don't have a spare life jacket for you so why don't you just put this garbage bag on your body instead and yeah yeah put on these shoes they might seem a little heavy (laughs) right (laughs) but they're they're fine though they're just to keep you on the boat (laughs) that's right in case we go over some choppy water you'll stay right here in the boat stay right on the boat yeah yeah (laughs) well anyways 
Um, I, I would agree with Ashton maybe that Sadiq didn't necessarily come there with the intent. No. Or Dante didn't come with the intent to kill Sadiq. He, he did it only because Sadiq had that realization and attacked him. And went for the axe. Yeah. Right. So Dante's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, he's a fine guy. I mean, when, if you murder in, in uh, you know, defense of your secret, is it really murder? Well, yeah, it is. Yes, but it, it is. Yes, it, it is. At least you're defending your secret. If you if you steal a loaf of bread to feed your family, is that wrong? What if it's a truck full of cigarettes and you want to sell them to <laughs> give your family a nice home? Does that make it wrong? Still stealing. <laughs> these are these that's are from the that's from the Simpsons. Difficult questions. It's a quote from the Simpsons. Okay, Par- well, paraphrased. I'm going to go back now that Simpsons. Speaking of Disney Plus, is on there. Go back and start at the beginning and watch 30 years of that show. Did they recrop it? Not yet. They're doing that. Next year, apparently. So they're going to do it. They're listening to the the masses and going, yeah, we screwed up. We'll uh, we'll fix that. We'll get the interns on that right away. They are. Yeah. They said they're going to fix it for in early 2020. Oh, sweet. Yeah. It's good news. All right, okay. All right. Well, that is good news. Mm-hmm. All right. Next, we have an email from Don in Wisconsin. I think you may have missed or breezed past the key point related to Dante's actions and Sadiq's revelation. Dante made a distinct clicking or clucking sound in Sadiq's ear in the flashback and in the final scene when he was standing behind Sadiq. It seemed to be what triggered his realization. Quite frankly, it was a strange thing to include because I don't think we heard Dante make this sound before. It's pretty clear in the scene, though, that Sadiq recognized the sound. Yeah, so this is a thing that I did not pick up on watching the episode, but after preparing the... um, feedback for this podcast, I went back and I looked at it and with the closed captioning on too, in the flashback scene where, um, you know, we see the whisperer with his hand over Sadiq's mouth and cranking his eyes open and stuff in the, um, in the closed captioning, it says like clicking noise, tongue clicking noise kind of thing. So it's there and it is what, is is one of the things, anyways, that ties it all together for Sadiq and helps him to figure it out. Honestly, though, I didn't really think it was that obvious in the episode straight up unless you had the closed captioning turned on. So I knew there was something. Something triggered the realization, and I knew it was a correlation between the flashback and reality. I thought it, I, at the first time I watched the episode, I thought it was uh, Dante had said, open your eyes or something like that which would automatically trigger uh, in my mind. But, uh, okay, so the, the clucking or clicking sound that Don mentions uh, makes sense. But I knew there was something, but I didn't know what it was. And I think that may be why I glossed over it during the uh, the recap. Episode. Sure, but, I mean, that's kind of what I mean. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's there, but I didn't really pick up on it. And it, it just really helps uh, get over the hump of figuring out what it was specifically that Sadiq picked up on or what made him realize it. Because without yeah. it, it is a little bit vague and maybe a little bit hard to believe. Um, but because of course Sadiq doesn't have the, uh, visual aid of the <laughs> whisperer mask fading out over Dante's face. So, uh, yeah, you know, could you just put this on for a second? I have something I want to think about. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Just wear this. Fr- I just want to see how it looks. <laughs> <laughs> Why yeah. do you have that? Oh, no reason. <laughs> no reason. Yeah. This actually reminds me, now that uh, Don mentions this clicking or clucking sound, it reminds me of driving home from daycare 
yesterday with Jasper in the back seat. Uh, Jenny turned around and said, what's that noise? And Jasper said, it's me. I'm making that noise. That's the noise I make when daddy's driving. And he said, everybody make that noise. And so we all did. Okay. Well, that's the driving <laughs> noise. That's the, that's the daddy's driving noise, apparently. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Better than like farting the whole way. <laughs> well, that'd be all right, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's do a call from Alexa. Hey, Chris and Jason. It's Lexa in Atlanta. I had to call you guys about this most recent episode. It was fantastic. I was so happy to see that The Walking Dead, uh, the writing for the show, is finally back to being nuanced. And, you know, that is one of the things I loved, loved, loved so much about this show in the beginning. And that was if you paid attention as a viewer to some of the smaller details, then later on in the season, you would be rewarded for that. You know, it was it was fun to sit around and kind of analyze some of those smaller details and pick apart maybe the meanings of what some of the characters were saying, etc. And, you know, that has definitely been missing from the series for quite a while, unfortunately. You know, um, even a couple of seasons ago, gosh, you know, Dante would have been revealed. He would have been introduced as a character at the beginning of the episode and revealed as a turncoat by the end of the episode. And that is just boring to watch and it's predictable to watch after a while. So I'm super happy to see that they're taking their time again and letting a story unfold um, and pacing it so lovely. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. I wanted to ask you guys too, if you were also a little confused uh, about Sadiq and Dante and whether or not the whispers had maybe hypnotized him, because in the flashback, they show Dante as he's holding Sadiq, he does uh, a clicking sound, three clicks with his, he's clicking with his mouth and he's doing that in, in Sadiq's ear as he's saying, open your eyes. And then in the present, as he's standing behind Sadiq in Sadiq's room, he does something similar. He kind of makes three clicking sounds and then they cut to Sadiq's eyes and we see his eyes kind of grow wider with realization. But in that moment, I thought, wait a minute, are they trying to say like the whispers hypnotized him and this is going to be a noise that will trigger a response from Sadiq or something? Ultimately, obviously, that's not what it was. And I was happy to see that because I think that would have been cheesy, but it was still confusing for me in the moment. So we'll see. I don't know. I just wanted to know if anyone else was confused by these clicking noises that he was making. Okay, you guys, thank you so much. As always, I just love your show. I don't know what I would do every week if I couldn't enjoy listening to you guys. So thank you for doing what you do. Take care. Bye. Amazing. Thank you, Lexa. Um, so as you just heard, I was kind of confused by the clicking sounds or didn't even really pick up on them the first time. But it hyp hypnosis never occurred to me. Yeah, I don't think it's hypnosis. No, I must admit I brainwashing don't. maybe, but brainwash and we mentioned brainwashing early on or earlier on, but uh that takes a long time. Like it, it's not something you just go, "Hey, buddy, you're brainwashed." And no. then it's done, right? Right. And and even like hypnotizing him to have a sound like that trigger some reaction, I, I would imagine would also take a long time and they were only gone a, a day or a number of hours. So, I don't think yeah, it's possible. You and you can't hypnotize somebody against their will. I don't know if you know that. No, didn't know that. You have to be willing to be hypnotized? Yeah. I went to a hypnosis show one time. Uh, somebody dragged me to it at a comedy club, and this hypnotist came out and uh, hypnotized a couple of people. And it seemed like bullshit, but it seemed sort of not like bullshit. But there was one guy that refused to be hypnotized. He said some people just aren't because they're not willing to give up their uh, their self 
to the hypnosis. So if you're, if you're resisting it in any way, shape or form, you can't be hypnotized. You have to be perfectly willing to do that. So then is it really hypnosis or is it just it's suggestion? Well, yeah. that's what hypnosis is. It's the power. It's suggestion, right? Sure. It's, it's, you know, suggesting to somebody that they do that. And if they're willing uh, to do that, they do it. I'm not entirely sure. I, I didn't volunteer to go up, so I didn't encounter what it was actually like to be hypnotized. But I was in the room physically with some people that were hypnotized and they were clucking like chickens and doing weird things. And yeah. they forgot the number four or whatever when they were counting to 10. But one guy refused to forget the number four and he asked him what he did for a living. He said he was a waiter. It's like, well, that's probably it. You're, you know, you use numbers all day. You're not going to forget the number four. No, I guess but, not. But, but then again, how many people use numbers all day? All of them, maybe? Pretty much everybody. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I'd be the type of person that would refuse to be hypnotized. I, yeah. Well, I, me too. But it's hard to say, right? Because in the moment, you might be perfectly willing. I, but, I don't know. So anyway, I, I would... I'm skeptical of it. I agree, but I was in the room when it happened and these people were doing some things that normal, normally they probably wouldn't do on stage. I don't know. Some people just like to play along. That's all I'll say about that. Well, it's hard to build a career as a hypnotist for entertainment when you're relying on people playing along all the time. <laughs> I don't know. Right? I guess. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. But then again, you know, being a, a performer and I've, I've performed on stage shows and doing juggling and stuff and asking for a volunteer, you never don't get a volunteer. Right. Right. So people are willing to like, yeah, yeah, me, I'll do it. That's true. Right? They, they, you so, always have people who jump at the chance. I'm also not one of those types of people, really. Oh, me neither. Absolutely not. It's like, no, go on stage for your performance. Not a fucking chance. However, I wish, and this is a, side tangent i wish i had gone on stage uh for the penn and teller show i was at in vegas earlier this year yeah because their final act i won't give anything away obviously but their final act they invite like 50 people on stage and they form a ring around the entire stage oh. with um uh with with the trick that they're doing in the middle so it gives you a different uh angle everybody a different angle on the trick and i'm very curious to see what's going on say from the back of the stage for example right okay so i, I, I lost do... you there for a second I, I i there might be a delay now but i think we're back okay hopefully we're back skype sucks sometimes yeah i only missed uh the entire description of what happened on stage at the penn and teller show but that's okay because <laughs> you can fill me in later yeah, and you might not want to know anyways. <laughs> no. There was I mean, nothing, I've watched uh, a lot of Penn and Teller on the internet and on TV and stuff, and I would love to go see them in person. And they, and they did some stuff uh, like showing their stage show on, I forget what I watched. Oh, it was on their... Um, the Foolish Show? Class. No, their master class. Uh, Penn and Teller did a master class Ooh. from... Uh, uh, and it was it was wonderful because they taught, uh, you know, rope tricks and palming and stuff like that. And so you could play along and then they showed a trick that they did in their stage show. Yeah. Uh, which was very interesting. And I would like to see how it's done. Oh, I love those guys so much. I was, it was a bucket list thing to go see them perform. It was amazing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. What's going on here? We, next we have an email from Chantal. Chant Chantal. Yeah. Ch Chantal. Sure. In stupid hot Brisbane. Look, one of these pictures, uh, one of these picture is Hemlock, the other is Yarrow, you idiots. 
but really it's pretty difficult to tell the difference. Also, hemlock, hemlock and nightshade are in the same family of plant. Okay, so I apologize. I forgot to send you the pictures that she sent in. Oh, but, yeah, she's talking about a picture. That yeah. makes sense that I'm not looking at the picture. No, you're not. I forgot to send them to you. But I will tell you that the hemlock and the yarrow are extremely similar looking. So the whole point is potentially you could confuse the two and use hemlock when uh, you meant to use something else. Yeah. Well, okay. So, and that's me. And that would perfectly work on me because I'm a plant idiot. Because we go in the backyard in the summer and Jasper asks mommy, what plant is this? Uh, you know, what, what's, what's that plant? And she tells him and then she goes in the house and I'm here and he asked me, what plant is that? And I said, it's green. What about this one? Also green. What about this one? Also green. What about this one? Cucumber. Yellow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Green, 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 not green, not green, 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 green. What's that? That's a tree. (laughs) Right? So this is my experience with telling the difference between plants. (laughs) That one's got bigger leaves, sort of, I guess. They're more leafy. (laughs) That one's a tree with white bark, and that one's a tree with not bark, and I think that one has pears on it. So that makes it a pear tree. (laughs) Next to it is the barbecue. I know about that. (laughs) That's a barbecue. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, good. All I'm saying, and all Chantal is saying, is that... I'm not a doctor. True. Right? You know, Dante's supposed to be a doctor. That's that's my point, is that he's supposed to know. Yeah, I don't not, know. He's not a botanist. Like, I don't think doctors know what plants look like either. No, they know what pills look like. I mean, they go through a whole thing. <laughs> they, they do have right? much knowledge and many skills. But that you thing know, is known as medical school, right? Right, exactly. But, you know, plant identification probably isn't one of them for most doctors. Yeah. But maybe some, uh, I don't know. And I'm pretty sure tomato is part of the nightshade family as well. Why not? Just so you know. They, they're they red. You know that, I bet. I like tomatoes. Sometimes they're green, though. <laughs> so I've had fried green tomatoes. It was good. They are good, too. Uh, okay. Brian in Manchester writes, Guys, you talked about why hemlock would be in the medical bag. I assumed it would be used for mercy killing. Socrates used hemlock when he committed suicide, in part because it is relatively painless. So, see, there is a purpose. <laughs> to kill people? Yeah. Mercy killing, Jason. <laughs> yeah, okay. You never know. I mean, if someone, you know, is really suffering, there you go. You might need to well, give them a little yeah, I mean, that's that whole quality of life, end of life decisions, that kind of stuff. But I guess, is that part of their standard medical bag crap? Well, maybe not part of the standard bag, right? They'd, they'd get it on an as-needed basis, I think. Yeah, but also part of their standard I'm leaving the house kit is weapons to kill humanoids. Yeah, right? that's so true too. why not? I mean, hemlock wouldn't work on a zombie, but, you know, killing's killing. Right, right. That's true. It, this is a subject, though, that, I mean, the show has wrestled with before a little bit, but maybe not in a while, I think. I mean, I'm going all the way back to Jim in season one. Remember when? Oh, yeah, good old Jim. They, they, Jim was bit, but they were trying to keep him alive, and then they eventually just left him by a tree by the side of the road. It's not that they just left him like a piece of garbage. He said, leave me here. I don't, you know, I want to join my family. It was a whole thing. I get it, for sure. But do you think if maybe... I mean, they they probably didn't really have all the information they needed back then. But if Jim was in like season five, maybe they would have said, you know what, Jim, you're not getting better. Eat some of this hemlock. It'll, you know, solve your problem. 
do they do that or they just stab them in the head? Well, yeah, they mostly just, back then they would just shoot someone probably and move on. Yeah. Okay. Well, they've got hemlock and it's in there, uh, at least in the, the hospital facility and somebody put it in the bag. Yep. I'm pretty sure it was Dante, but I guess it could have been Sadiq. You know, no. assuming they're different people. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's that <laughs> now, but it, if assuming they're different people, it was Dante for sure. Yeah. All right. Where are we? We're in Ben. <laughs> Next is Ben in Virginia. Ben writes, hospital-based pharmacist checking on the hemlock switcheroo, checking in on the hemlock switcheroo on paper. So I guess uh, Ben is a hospital-based pharmacist. Correct. Uh, so on paper, no doctor should ever give the wrong medication to the wrong patient. This is why we double label everything and use barcodes, wristbands, etc. In practice, however, this kind of thing happens every single day, despite our best technology-aided efforts. Fortunately, it's rarely fatal, but this type of mistake is the most realistic thing that has happened on this show in a long time. Tell Jason... That's me. His BS meter might be broken, even though he was ultimately right about Dante. Well, thank you very much, Ben, uh, for giving me one more thing to worry about <laughs> as I go through life and hopefully don't spend too much time in hospitals. But every single day, people yeah. are given the wrong medication. Yeah, don't ever go to the hospital. That's where people die. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, geez. It's also where people are born, so take that. That's right. I guess there's that. Anyways, thanks, Ben. Uh, good to know these things. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it's not as large of a problem as it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, you were supposed to give them Advil. You gave them Anison. Anison? Some other, some other pain medication. Tylenol. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> you're fired. I doubt you're fired, but well, whatever. I, I have to take a pill every day and sometimes I forget. And I'm okay so far. Well, I mean, there's a big difference between forgetting to take the pill and, well, yeah, uh, you know, taking the wrong pill. Yeah, that's fair. It's like I don't just pick up a random pill and take it. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Here's a pill. I'll just take this one. Yeah, it'll do the same thing. I'm sure <laughs> they all look the same to me. Small and round and pill shaped. <laughs> there you go. All right. Next is Cindy in Columbus, Ohio. Cindy writes, "I feel very bad for Lydia." All her life, she's been physically and emotionally abused, and now she finds out that some of the people of Alexandria aren't any better. I think she trusted Carol because of her being Henry's mother, and now she thinks she can't trust anyone. I hope Daryl rips Carol a new one over this. Uh, yeah, and it was uh, completely and absolutely unnecessary. Just yep. explain to Lydia what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Problem solved. Problem solved. But now Lydia's got like nobody. She's going back to people that treated her very poorly. And she's leaving people that for the most part treated her better, but she doesn't trust anymore. So Lydia, yeah, she's, she has no one she can really trust at this point. And that's enough to drive a person a little bonkers. Yeah. And that's, that's the key to good leadership, by the way. It's not telling people what to do. It's giving them the information where they decide what to do. And that is in line with what you want them to do. Right. Just urging them in the right direction, not telling them where to go. Yeah. You don't tell them what to do. You encourage them to do the right thing. See? That sounds meaner than what it actually is, but that's what it is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hey, we've got this problem. 
let's all band together and try and fix it instead of you assholes are working this weekend. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a really good point. You assholes. <laughs> all that's right. my leadership style. Very good. I'm I'm well, I, I could probably work for you. Yeah, probably. It'd be all right. I'm not very tough. Anyway, uh where are we? Chris in the UK. Uh crisis crises? Crises. I think crisis is real I think it's crises. Crises? Yeah, <laughs> that probably makes more sense. Plural of crisis. <laughs> all right, it's very very late. Crises really bring out the best slash worst in Carol. She gets shit done, but she gets tunnel vision and loses sight of the wider picture. We've seen this ever since she burned Karen and Dave in the prison. That was an overreaction, and we've seen that pattern uh, that, that pattern ever since. She is being too devious. She didn't have to lie to Lydia to get her out into the woods. She didn't have to lie to Daryl about her plan to catch the Whisperer. She forgets that while she might be able to turn her feelings off when they get in their way, she can't expect everyone else to be able to do the same. At this point, she needs a permanent reminder. I nominate Jerry. A permanent minder, like someone to, minder. to keep keep track of her and be her like right-hand person. And I think Jerry would be great at that. Jerry's got a family. He doesn't need another baby to take care of. Yeah, that's true. And he still does hang out with the king. So, you know, he's the yeah. king's hand. He's the hand of the king, basically. He's he's the hand of the king. He, uh, yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be awkward. Instead of, you know, being his right-hand man, he's minding Carol. Oh, that <sighs> would be weird, actually. Yeah, very, very weird. So, Daryl should probably do it, but I don't know if he's up for it. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and. In a way, he already is doing it, but Carol wasn't giving him all the information, so. Yeah, whoever it is, it better be an adult. Well, let's do our call here. Uh, another a call from Barb on the internet, uh, who I think talks about a similar topic. Hi, Chris and Jason. Love the show. Love the podcast. Yeah, you, you guys are hilarious. You do an excellent job. Carol, Carol, Carol. I had a comment about Carol. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Carol's great. Love Carol. She's decisive. She takes action, but she really has to stop, you know, going off and doing her own thing and not consulting or not discussing with anybody, especially if she's going to bring a whisper into the community. It's one thing if she takes him outside into the into a cave or a cabin somewhere and tortures him, but to bring him into the community without consulting, I think is disrespectful. I think, you know, say what she likes about people not doing anything. It's still a community. That's the whole point. You don't get to just do what you want to do um, and not and, and consequences be down. So I kind of didn't like that direction. But I mean, I guess Carol's actions always move the plot along. So for that reason, I'm OK. But um, I think it would be great if in the coming episodes and definitely in seasons, if they kind of rein in or give Carol's character a bit more you know, direction and, and none of this running off and just doing whatever she she wants to do it kind of gets old and I feel like with the Rick years too kind of it turns into the Carol show where she's kind of calling the shots and her actions always driving the story kind of gets a little boring uh, that's all I got thanks uh, uh, for taking my call keep doing what you do I can't wait for the season finale mid-season finale sorry and for can't wait to tune in and hear your take and your discussion and your thoughts and your insights and your humor okay thanks bye Thank you very much, Barb. So she's just saying, be a team player, Carol. Don't just go out on your own. Be a team player. Yeah. Get it together. Let people know what you're doing and, you know, work as a group. You'll have better success in the long run. Yeah. That's also uh, good uh, advice for 
careers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be a team flair, player, raise a flag. You know, right when something becomes a problem, don't let it fester. Nope, don't let it fester. But uh, that's not Carol's style. She's a bit of a lone wolf. And yeah. uh, she wants to go out and fix problems herself. Or she's the kind of person who I think is like, if you, has takes the mentality, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Yeah, if you want something done right, go out into the woods and hang out by yourself for a while, then come back and shoot a propane tank for a big explosion and save everybody. Or go out in the woods by yourself, except you have to drag this other guy along to take a prisoner, you know. Sure, it's worked in the past, but it may catch up with her at some point, I think. Nah, probably not. Nah, all right. Not everybody. I don't know. This is a sad reality, or a sad truth about reality. Not everybody gets their comeuppance. No, I guess not. But on TV, Life ain't fair. On TV, uh, usually just, they do. On TV, yeah, because that's how we want reality to be, is everybody gets their just desserts, but that is rarely the case. Mm, okay, well. You, you know, if you're an asshole your whole life, it's not going to come back to haunt you necessarily. So you just be an asshole your whole life until you're no longer alive. Are you suggesting I should be an asshole the rest of my life? I'm suggesting that uh, there's probably no downside in cool. reality. All right. I mean, you might get a speeding ticket every now and again, but most of the time you'll be able to just weave in and out of traffic, cutting people off, uh, getting honked at, and you'll get to where you want to go a little bit faster. Until I weave one too many times and drive off a bridge, and then I'm no longer an asshole. <laughs> uh, you see, that's the thing. The mentality is that, uh, if you're, if you're like that, you like to think that eventually it'll come back to haunt you, but, uh, there's a real good chance that it never will. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It pays to be an a-hole. Uh, sometimes. Uh, so, and yeah, crime does pay for a lot of people. For a lot of people. <laughs> anyway. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, next we have a call from Lee in St. Catharines. Hey, Chris and Jason, uh, Lee in St. Catharines, and I got feedback with regards to open your eyes. So um, when Carol had that whisper in the cell and you guys were talking about her putting on her wedding ring and putting it on her right hand. So I didn't think that was the wedding ring from Ezekiel because she gave that back to him. I think that's her wedding ring when she was married to Ed in season one. And he beat the crap out of her and was very aggressive and in charge and she was very mousy. I think that ring might have given her the power to be a badass. Like just to, you know, I'll put it on, remember all the shit that Ed did to her. And give her the anger inside to uh, beat the crap out of that whisperer. That's what I thought. I don't know if it's true or not, but I hope so. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Cool. Thanks, Lee. I don't see anything wrong with that theory. I, there was no clear indication of whose ring it was. So why not be Ed's ring? Although, why would she still have Ed's ring? I don't know. But maybe it's her power punching ring. Well, okay. So there you go. It's a magic ring. Yeah. It's the one ring. It is the one ring that gives her the power to punch a dude in the face a couple times and yeah. really tear him up. Yeah. It's the, it's the one ring to beat them all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very good. Uh, next is Andy in Chilly and Windy, UK. Andy writes, did anyone else think it was strange that when Sadiq was opening up to Rosita about his PTSD, that she didn't say she'd been through exactly the same thing when she was in the lineup that fateful night our group first met Negan, her ex-boyfriend was clubbed to death before her eyes, and she was powerless to stop it or fight back in any way, which was exactly Sadiq's point of trauma. Well, the thing is, Andy, that when someone's opening up to you about uh, the worst moment of their lives, 
you probably don't want to chime in with, hey, me too. <laughs> right. <laughs> so just listen. Sometimes listening is more important than anything you could say. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been through that. You know, that just that immediately belittles their situation. Sure. Yeah. It's like, I, hey, I had the same thing. Exactly. It doesn't really yeah. come off as supportive. It kind of comes off as like you're making it about yourself. You know, but maybe she would have explained that beforehand mm -hmm. to Sadiq, and he knew full well, and this is why Sadiq feels comfortable uh, being able to talk about it to her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it certainly makes her more sympathetic to him, even if she doesn't have to say, you know, I had the same thing happen to me, right? It just makes her a better listener, almost. Yeah. Right? I think so. So there you go. All right, so next we have an email from Anna in Shropshire. Shropshire, maybe Shropshire. I don't know. Shropshire? Sure. <laughs> sure. Anna in Shropshire. Uh, Anna writes, it's a real shame that with all the time jumps recently, we miss out on the character and relationship development. I really enjoyed the scene on the bed between Rosita and Sadiq in this episode, and they seem to have more chemistry than Rosita has with Abraham, Eugene, and Gabe together. However, despite the fact that they have a kid together, this is the one this is one of the only scenes we've seen that explores their relationship. We miss the actual affair because it happened during a time jump. We miss Coco's birth for the same reason. It would have been really nice to see some coupley scenes between them before Sadiq uh, Sadiq's hero death episode when it would seem like emotional manipulation. I really like Sadiq's character and I'm sad that they've decided to kill him off so soon. Yeah, you know, it's a good point. I think there's, a, sometimes it feels like there's a lot of story that, that we don't get to see. And you can't see everything, of course. Uh, but I do agree that it feels like, lately anyways, Rosita and um, Sadiq have a really good, like, couple-y uh, chemistry on the show. Now, we haven't seen her and Gabe together in a while. I mean, early on, yes, we did a little bit. Eugene's long, or Abraham is long dead. Eugene, they separated from her entirely. Um, but she definitely has that spark with, uh, with Sadiq and now he's gone. So it is a bit of a bummer. We're not going to see how their relationship developed or all, at all, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Or maybe it's all a dream and Sadiq and Dante are the same person and everything's fine. Yeah, maybe. Everything's fine, and they're just going to go on living their happy life together. Yeah, maybe he's Eugene, too. Oh, that would be something. <laughs> maybe he's Eugene and Father Gabe, and used to be Abraham. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> now you're just being crazy. <laughs> really? Well, yeah, I think Not so. Not that crazy. Okay. It's me here. <laughs> yeah, of all, the, of all the crazy shit you've said, that's like straight, straight up Main Street. Yeah. All right, Caden in Alberta writes, It must have been really hard for Sadiq to have to watch Enid die. Enid was training with Sadiq to become a doctor. They must have spent years working together, and they probably became really good friends. Then for Sadiq to be forced to watch her head be cut off by Alpha, not, be able to, not being able to do anything other than sit there and watch it, must have been hell. I mean, anybody, it would be hellish watching them get decapitated, but... I guess one of your best friends makes it even worse. Yeah. And maybe this is what gave uh, Dante the idea to infiltrate as a doctor because uh, he now knows that uh, they needed a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, 
I would that would assumes he would have to know that Enid was training or becoming a, a doctor, but let's just assume that she got up in front of the whole town and told them. <laughs> well, you know, the whispers do seem to know a lot of information about uh, our intrepid heroes, so I assume that they have a really good uh, you know, information network. It seems like they do. It seems like they do. So which makes me think, mm -hmm. why the hell was Gamma trying to get information out of Aaron if they have somebody on the inside already? Well, that's the question, right? But we don't know how, we don't really know Dante's true mission. We don't know how he's getting information out, if he is at all. I mean, we talked about this a couple of days ago a little bit, right? Yeah. Maybe he's just there for a while and eventually he's going to leave and just bring back all the information all at once. But... Yeah, we don't really know. So I think maybe Alpha has a lot of different irons in the fire. She's got a lot of things going on. She's got moles planted in the community. She's got other people making friends at bridges, trying to get information. I don't know. And probably other things going on too. Yeah. Okay. We got to watch the next episode. <laughs> There's only one way to find out. We got to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, I actually think you're right. I think we are going to get some answers in the next one. I mean, it's the mid-season finale, but it feels like there's, everything's culminating up into this, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I say that more so than usual is, is, yes. is my point, yeah, there's, right? There's actual shit that we need to find out and some things we need resolved. And I think we're going to get some, we're going to find out some shit and we're going to resolve some shit and it's going to end on a cliffhanger. And we're going to be like, now Christmas is ruined because I'm going to be working, worrying about this all friggin' season. <laughs> no, I have faith in Angie Kang. She's going to give us some sort of cliffhanger, cliffhanger, not cliffhammer. Cliffhammer. Yeah. Angie, you know her, but you call her Angie now? Well, I feel like I know her. I've never met the woman, but, uh. Angie Kang. <laughs> I like the sound of that. All right. She's going to give us some sort of, well, something that's going to really want us to come back, make us want to come back in uh, February or whenever the show comes back. Not like we wouldn't anyways, but I just have a good feeling. Yeah. That assumes, assumes of course, that there is a February. Well, you never know the way the world's going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Jeremy in Indy. You guys totally yada yada over the fact that the handle on the water valve had been bent to cover up the fact that Sadiq had been given everyone tainted water. Uh, are we to believe that Dante did this? Also, why would you have that option? Why make it so easy to give people contaminated water? Um, yeah. Is there an answer to that question? I, I get it that the yeah, handle... Yeah, we did that. We yada yada right over that. But we we did. So the handle had been modified or bent the wrong way so that it, when it was pointing towards undrinkable water, it looked like it was pointing to drinkable water. Um, well, why would you have this valve? I don't like, know. Jeremy's right. Why, why have that option? It's like, oh, I want to turn this valve so that poo goes through this pipe. And now I want to turn it so that fresh, clean water goes through this pipe. There's still poo in the pipe. I'm not sure if you know that. But if you're, if you're turning a valve... Part of that pipe still has poo in it. Well, is is that true, or or is it two is it is it two pipes coming into one valve and it like closes one and opens the other? I guess yeah. But still... if you close if you close one and open the other, it means ultimately they're going into the same tube, right? That yeah. part of the tube past the valve uh, contains both fresh and poo water. Oh yeah, good point. So 
uh, I think that you should have completely two separate pipe networks <laughs> with their own valves for shut on, shut on and turn off. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, this is a bit of a plot convenience, I think. Yeah, who who designed this pipe system? Like, you've got uh, gray water and uh, potable water all mixed in together, and that's no good. No, this whole pipe and, valve thing is the army of beavers of this episode, I would say. Yeah, it makes me wonder how they're de- dealing with their sewage treatment. Like, it's probably <laughs> pa- pretty scary. They're passing it right through the shower valves. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're probably, you know, they're they're pooing upstream. Ugh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, uh, but it does explain what was going on, even though it's a little bit wacky. Uh, all right. Wait a minute. Are they saying? Okay, I, I, I'm a little bit even more confused now. I thought that their freshwater supply was tainted, and not that the gray water supply was tainted, and that they were somebody switched the valve to give the gray water as potable water. No. So which is it? I, well, I think I don't think the water supply is tainted. I don't think that the zombies that Gamma was putting in the stream have anything to do with the water contamination now because like the the that water pipe setup that uh was um fiddled with by Dante it it had spray painted letters like drinkable water undrinkable water so it's been yeah. like that for a while and the valve was there so contaminating the water supply doesn't seem to make any sense. I think they already, for some reason, had the drinkable and undrinkable water system set up, and it was simply mislabeled or tampered So Gamma, with. in her infinite wisdom, was trying to block the stream in the most inept way possible, including spilling the guts of one of these zombies into the water? I mean, she did say she was trying to damn the stream. So, yeah, I think maybe she was just trying to cut it off and she failed. This is not clear. We need clarity on this. No, it is not clear because it seemed to make a lot of sense that she was contaminating the water and then people were getting sick. Those two things, like one leads to the other, right? But then we find out that there is this drinkable-undrinkable system, which isn't really explained. And it, it appears to have, have existed before there was any water contamination information. So I don't really know what's going on other than people were getting sick by drinking bad water. Right. I'm so wondering if there's enough, enough information here to correlate Dante's actions with Gamma's actions. Like... Does one thing, do both things have to happen in order to make people sick? She has to contaminate the water and the uh, the not drinkable water has to be mixed up with the drinkable water so that they're drinking water right from the creek instead of having it treated first. Like, do both things have to happen and therefore Dante is a mole or, uh, you know, an undercover agent? Well, we definitely know he is, but what you're saying is the undrinkable water is just water straight out of the river, and yeah. so it's not treated, so that they, so then they have to contaminate that. that. Otherwise, yes. it, it may or may not be contaminated. It might just be full of mud or something. Right. I mean, you'd get the, the trots pretty bad because, you know, you're drinking stream water and you're going to get uh, Montezuma's Revenge or whatever it's called. You're going to, you know, but <laughs> right. you're not going to get sick and die sure. necessarily. 
And you get used to that too. I mean, for, uh, there's a whole prepper community. Uh, if they are prepping in their area, what happens is they tend to start taking, uh, start drinking from the local water sources. Mm -hmm. So you get used to that bacteria and that it becomes drinkable water after a while. Right. So if they're living in this area and they're drinking from the streams, uh, you know, their bodies are probably all used to the bacteria that are in those streams and it's not really harmful to them anymore. You know, you really need to boil water when it's uh, contaminated and it's new to you. Right. right? Okay. Well, that makes so, sense. Yeah. So I'm wondering if both things have to happen and we don't necessarily know Dante is a, an undercover agent. He might have already defected and just defending himself. Right. Okay. Fair. So, and he also might be imaginary. So who knows? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, or an altar of Sadiq. So I'm just, I'm wondering if there's enough information here to try and correlate both, both, like both things have to happen in order to make, in order to make these people sick. Well, I think, I think we're on to something here and I think we've come up with a pretty reasonable explanation that the drinkable water is the treated water somehow and the undrinkable is straight out of the stream. And if they know that for some reason, they know that they can contaminate the stream water and they're not going to be doing anything about it. Right. And the real question here is, did Sadiq dive into the drinkable water? And if so, should he have been allowed to do that? Well, he just dove into that uh, lake in the middle of town. And you can't, and I mean, there's no way the whole lake is treated water, right? Because it seems like it's just a lake. I don't know. It could be a reservoir. I guess. But I don't think they built it, did they? Don't you have to build a reservoir? I don't know. Is that the, is this the, uh, the, the lake that uh, Daryl blew up with the... Uh, with the rocket launcher? Yes, it is. <laughs> so there's a well, lot going on. Of course it's on. contaminated here then. <laughs> right. There's a it's lot. already been rocket launchered. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to drink something that's been rocket launchered. That's right. It was lit on fire for God's sake. Um, that's pretty contaminated. If you can burn the lake, it's contaminated. <laughs> don't drink the burning water. So, yeah. So there's a lot going on here. Um, I think we just need to step back and go, you know what? They drank bad water. <laughs> Suspension they of disbelief. They did drink bad water. But they're, 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 you know, there's a lot of moving parts here we've got to figure out. There are. There are a lot of moving parts. If anyone can make like a chart or a graph of some kind that it helps explain it all, I would definitely yeah. look at that. Uh, yeah, with some ifs and or gates in there just to, you know, make things clear. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. We have a call from Lindsay in New Zealand. Hi, Chris and Jason. Lindsay here from New Zealand. Um, I've just played catch up with the last three episodes and watched them back to back and enjoyed the storyline and the pace at which it's running. I don't know why people are complaining about it. I find that with the time jump that we've had, it's been awesome to have, you know, a little bit more insight to our character development with the new members that have come on board. Um, the water being poisoned by gore, um, I guess... They must have obviously planned for that in the past. There's no ways that they wouldn't have. And then seeing Sadiq obviously look at the valves at the uh, water reticulation area, it just made me think that, you know, Aaron obviously saw it and didn't worry about it because he knows that measures have been put in place um, for potential infections, right? So the fact that Dante being a traitor, obviously throwing a bit of a spanner in the works and now... Sadiq's been killed and nobody's going to know. Um, or everybody's going to know. Who, who knows how that one goes? I just thought I'd leave that there. 
and thank you again for an awesome podcast and yeah chat to you soon all right so i should have played Lindsay's uh call first because i think she's basically saying the same thing that yep. uh the water's contaminated and uh aaron knew that was happening so but he didn't worry about it because he's like we've got a water filtration thing going and why would anyone ever turn it to undrinkable and then drink it that'd be dumb that would be dumb but turns out that's what they were doing because they had dante the inside man who tampered with it and fooled everybody there we go well yeah okay that's unfortunate i mean for me personally i mean it makes perfect sense and it's probably true but I think it's unfortunate because I like the idea of Dante being uh, someone who's defected and is just defending uh, his secret. Right. That that sort of invalidates that idea. It does. And I also, now that we've been going through emails and stuff, I really like the idea of Dante being an altar of uh, Sadiq. <laughs> well, we got all kinds of different potential ideas here. Whoa, what if Sadiq is an altar of, uh, sorry, uh, Dante is an altar of Sadiq and an over- undercover agent for the Whispers? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> There's just, you know, mind blown here, man. My head's about to explode. So maybe that they didn't, uh, okay, we're talking about hypno- hypnosis or um, brainwashing that happened in the barn. What if at that time it was so traumatic that his personality split into uh, Dante Sadiq and Dante sided with them and became an undercover agent, uh, a doctor in the, uh, in the community. Uh, but it is an altar of Sadiq. <laughs> so maybe it's all true. I'm having trouble following, but yes. <laughs> okay. So in the barn, yep. uh, Sadiq mentally fractured, mm-hmm. right? Into two personalities. Yes. Dante and Sadiq. Right. When he became Dante in order to protect Sadiq, the way he thought to protect Sadiq was to join the Whisperers and joined and is a true Whisperer, right? Okay. Still being an altar of Sadiq. Okay. So a completely different personality. Sadiq doesn't know about him. Right. And then uh, Dante goes undercover into our community uh-huh. uh, as an un- undercover agent. So Dante is a real undercover agent for the whispers in the community. Still an altar of Sadiq. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I like this. It's, it's I'm I'm making this true in my mind. Okay. <laughs> How many people are living in your head? <laughs> Just the one. Oh good, good, good. All right. <laughs> Just the one. Okay. Well so it's far. it's complex. But I think I've got it, and I don't think the show is going to go that complex. Yeah, you're probably right, but I like it. I should write a script. You should, man. You should start your own <laughs> show. <laughs> well, it would just be a movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think I could do a whole show. No, you've only got like 90 minutes of ideas in there. <laughs> I'm too lazy to even do a movie. <laughs> anyway. All right, next we have, where are we? We're Christian in Spokane. Yeah, this is a long one, so get ready. I'm ready. I am super ready. Good. So Christian writes, do the show writers have a fascination with cells? Seeing that whisper in a cell helped me notice just how many variations of the prisoner-captor dynamic there have been already in this show. And Christian has a number of bullet points here. Uh, one, Rick kept that kid in the barn that Shane killed. 
two, Rick held Sasha and Tyrese, three, Rick held Michonne, then the governor held Glenn and Maggie, then the whole cast was locked in the A container in Terminus, the cheesemaker put Morgan in a cell, Morgan built a cell, Morgan kept the wolf that saved Denise, Negan kept Daryl, Sasha, Carl, and Eugene, Rick imprisoned Negan, Lydia was in prison, Henry was grounded in a cell, Lydia grounded herself in a cell, and let's not forget when Locke held Henry Ben Linus. Okay, so that last one was from Lost, but you get the point. <laughs> I appreciate uh, what the new writers are trying to do, which is to keep a, uh, keep fresh a show that's 10 years old. I wish they would stop recycling the same prisoner captor setup we've seen many times before on The Walking Dead. Okay. Right. And then Christian sent a second email with part two after finishing the episode. Uh, yeah. So part two, he writes... Having Dante be a Whisperer adds so many layers. Now we know that Dante and the Whisperer, rec- Whisperer recognized each other. You can tell he is fixated on Dante. When Dante decided to kill the Whisperer to remove the risk of being exposed, that was a compelling story. So it seems that I may have been unfairly critical of the writers uh, apparently recycling on my earlier message. What if I take from all of this that the new writers are well aware of the tropes that within their own show and are looking for ways to sub- subvert our expectations. Well played, new writers. Well played, new writers. So there you go. <laughs> Even though it seemed like they were recycling the same thing or doing the same thing over again, they actually had a different outcome in mind. So great. Yeah. Spoiler for Lost there. <laughs> yeah, not much of one. There's a lot of things you could spoil in Lost, and <laughs> that one was pretty minor. Uh, you think so, that Ben was a bad guy and was in a cell? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say he was a bad guy. That's more of a spoiler than what. Just, just because he's a bad Christian guy doesn't did. mean he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He killed a whole bunch of people. <laughs> All right. Well, this wasn't a spoiler until we started talking about it. So let's. Uh, go watch Lost. It's good. Yeah. Go watch Lost. All right, we have a few more here, and they all kind of fall into the same category. And uh, Lee and St. Catherine's made a bumper <laughs> for this section of the show. Awesome. And it, it goes like this. Negan. Negan. Thank you, Lee, for who let the Negan out. <laughs> I'm glad you did that because I've been trying not to make this joke for a week now. Really? Yes, very, very hard. Well, I'm trying not to 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 yeah to make that exact joke. So, Lee, I'm very glad you did that, and it reminds me that uh, uh, songs that you hate, you grow to like after a while if you hear it enough. You do. I mean, I oh, think I you're... hated that song. I, think... I hated that song with a passion. Yeah. Now it brings like a warm nostalgia to me for some reason. I think your brain maybe may confuse familiarity with actually liking it, but whatever if if it works it works yeah well i mean it's it's i've talked about this before that's like that happened to the entire 80s i hated the 80s when i was there but most now people I'm, did yeah now looking back i'm like you know walk like an egyptian is a is an okay song there's plenty it's of not, good it's, tunes it's not an okay song i hated that song in the 80s absolutely despised it i thought it was the worst thing that ever come it came out of the radio well and look at you now yeah have i grown as a person or am i just confusing familiarity with uh, good. Could be a little of each, man. Could be a little of each. So, who let the dogs out? I like that song now. Who let the Negan out? And on that note, we got an email from Martin in Stoke-on-Trent, England. He writes, I think it was Daryl. 
My thinking for this is that when Daryl is speaking to Michonne on the radio, she basically says, whatever you do, you have my backing. And following his visit to Negan, I reckon this is when he realized, or he released him and said, go to the Whisperers and do what needs to be done. He was then very quick to mention that it wasn't Lydia and that, uh, that it wasn't Lydia that did it because, of course, it was him. So now we have a theory that Daryl let him out, too. Yeah, you know, uh, if you jump to a conclusion that you're absolutely sure of uh, in very short uh, order, that probably means that you're guilty of whatever it is you'd said that they're not guilty of. Right, exactly. He, he had an answer when someone said who let him out. You didn't leave, let him out. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you know that, uh, Daryl? Yeah, you know yeah. That? I know you didn't leave the house, but you know, so uh, everyone and no, like everyone has a, has a, has motive to do it. I think. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely true. Everybody had motive. Now we just have to find out who. Mm-hmm. All right. Next we have uh, Brianna on Facebook. Here's an interesting thought that popped into my head earlier today. What if instead of someone releasing Negan, hoping he would inf- infiltrate the whisperers and become an inside man, Dante released him for the exact reverse reason. So Dante releasing Negan. Oh yeah. To go back and infiltrate the whispers. No wait. Brianna is saying if someone released Negan, hoping he would infiltrate the whispers, Dante released him. Oh, to go back and join them. Yeah. For the opposite reason. Now, here you go. Go to the whispers. They'll welcome you, welcome you with open arms and, uh, you can, well, you're It'd a badass. Awesome. You'll you'll yeah. help him out, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So maybe it was Dante <laughs> slash Sadiq. <laughs> slash Sadiq. Yeah. yeah. Finally, Corey in Oregon writes, I'm so bamfoozled that everyone is ruling out Enid time traveling back to let Negan out. The facts are there and it's completely plausible. She was his spy the entire time and her head on the spike was clearly fake. Well, how could she time travel back if she was dead? Uh, she time traveled forward, I guess. Forward, I yeah. guess. But yeah, I mean, my, my theory is that, uh, the head on the, on the pike was a clone and the real Enid, who's a spy, uh, let Negan out. Still out there and let Negan out. Right. Okay. Yeah, well, she's a, she's a ninja spy. She's Enid the ninja spy. Yeah. I can see that. Not the clone. The clone is dead. <laughs> Enid's the real one. Okay, good. Clone dead, ninja spy alive. Uh, <laughs> Negan joined the whispers. Maybe that's how the whispers are getting so many undead in their uh, in their horde. The guardians, what they're doing is they're cloning themselves and then killing them and growing the horde. Oh my God, clone yourself, <laughs> kill the clone, and create a new clone zombie. That's right. All right. Well, and then carve. Uh, okay, so clone yourself. Mm-hmm. Let them grow up. Kill them. Skin them. Put your own goddamn face on. Get some more clones. <laughs> Lead them around. Um, that is bonkers, but someone should make a show about that too. Yeah. It reminds me of when I was in my 20s, I thought, and I had really long hair. Uh, I thought, you know, I should shave my head, make a wig out of my hair, and wear that. <laughs> that would not be weird at all. I, I'm surprised more people don't do that. Uh, really? Have, Are you? I mean, have that's... a wig of their own hair. I think that's an awesome idea. I don't know. People get tattoos and like piercings and stuff. Why don't they make wigs of their own hair? Like it's got to, there's got to be a whole community out there. All right. Anyway. Well, if you're I, a. I thought, I thought of it. 
I guess so. You can't be the first. That's true. If you have a Imagine wig. Imagine if I had a wig of my own shoulder length hair. Don't you think that would be awesome? Now I'd be able to put that wig on and have my own hair and I'd go it for Halloween as myself. <laughs> God, dude. I mean, I could, I, we should wrap uh, this up, but I could see, I mean, in all seriousness, I could see like a cancer patient maybe that has long hair that's going, that knows they're going to lose it. Maybe has it shaved off and made into yeah i mean that that makes sense and it's kind of sad and everything i'm thinking of doing it purely for entertainment sure for a halloween costume (laughs) entertaining myself nobody else (laughs) i I, i'd find it pretty entertaining i think Uh, okay and should have done that damn it well it's not too late cut all i cut all that hair off and it's gone and i just threw it out you can grow it again (laughs) grow it again you could do it with your beard too make it wouldn't be the same wouldn't it all be all gray and stuff? I'd have my like luscious brown locks that I had in my twenties. Like yeah. wear that as a wig. I could be a I could be a golden god. Oh, too bad you missed your golden god age. <laughs> <laughs> Shaved my head and threw it all away. Idiot. Waste of time. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast. A really weird ending, I think. Um, but uh that's okay. Because uh, here we are at like an hour and a half, so it's probably time. Uh, We'll be back next week, of course, when we are talking about the mid-season finale of season 10. The episode is called The World Before, and it's directed by John Dahl. So if you want to get a title read in, by all means, record something and send it over to us. Uh, The World Before is what the episode is called. And speaking of recording stuff, a quick follow-up on our PSA from... Uh, the last podcast about your address being in the file name for uh, audio files you record with the voice memos app on your iPhone. A bunch of people wrote in and said, yes, mine is doing it too. It's a thing, but it only does it when you grant uh, location access to the app. And there is a setting on the iPhone for that. Ah, so. So you go into settings, voice memos, and then there's, you can revoke location access. You can also change the file names, of course, if you want to. But, you know, they shouldn't rely on people knowing that. So uh, well, just to round that out, that's what you can do. Wait a minute. So is it location access and then you record the voice memo at home and therefore it uses your home address? What if you recorded the voice memo at work? Would it still use your home address or use your work address? I, I'd have to try it to find out. I don't know. That's weird. It is, the whole thing is weird, I thought. That's why I wanted to tell people. I got more than one person writing in saying, oh my God, thank you for letting me know. I had no idea. Um, And then a few people wrote and said, you can change the setting. So just so you know, you can change the setting. It's in your iPhone settings. And uh, I just find it weird that it would put in the address and not longitude and latitude or something else. Or something else. Yeah. I don't know. It is kind of strange. Anyways, um, that's that. Uh, if, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by going to our website and clicking on send voicemail at the top. That's talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top. You can record a message there that won't have anything to do with your address. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. If you just can't get enough of me talking about TV shows, uh, you can also find me discussing The Mandalorian, the new Disney Plus uh, TV show about a bounty hunter in the Star Wars universe. 
You can find that at podcastica.com. been having a lot of fun recording that. So if you're watching that show, please do indeed check it out. But otherwise, we'll be back here on the Talking Dead podcast next week to talk about the mid-season finale, The World Before. So make sure you tune into that as well. All right, everyone. That brings us to the end. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.